Screen Time with John Fardy. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy and this is News Talk's TV and movie show. This week on the show, the original Real Housewife of Beverly Hills, Kyle Richards, chats to me about the very popular show as well as her Irish roots and the state of America. Kevin McAleer, renowned comedian and lately star of Derry Girls, chats about his favourite movie. And of course, Mark Ryle is here with the week's new movie releases. I'm open on Twitter, John underscore Fardy, or you can email me, screentime at newstalk.com. This show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on Newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm right here on Newstalk. Good weekend to you all. Hope you're doing well and enjoying a bit of this Azores heat, which I've been experiencing myself here in dear old Ireland. Sad news uh, to begin. I seem to say that a lot lately, but uh, James Cann passed away at the age of 82. Now, you know, rightly or wrongly, I guess, and it's probably rightly by me, but Sonny in The Godfather is his defining role. Some people say Misery, which he was great in as well. But I'll tell you the thing about James Caan. He was never bad. He was in some bad movies, but he was always utterly watchable. Even in a movie like Mickey Blue Eyes, where Hugh Grant is kind of getting involved with the mafia, which isn't a great film particularly, He's great in it. A film I loved him in was Bottle Rocket, Wes Anderson's first film, and he plays this kind of, well, I won't say what he is, but uh, he's, he, he befriends Luke Wilson and uh, Owen Wilson, but uh, yeah, something happens. He's brilliant in it. He was brilliant in everything. He left acting for a while, and he lived a wild life, was married many times. One of those Hollywood stories, but a, a brilliant, a brilliant actor. So R.I.P. James Can. Now, in TV this week, I was watching this. I lived in the public eye, and I really believe a lot of what they said. Diva. Serial bride. How do you feel about your butt? You did not just ask me that. I did. If I was in front of Jennifer Lopez and she said, you can't sing, I'd go, neither can you. I said to her once, doesn't this bother you? And she said, I expected this. Do you think you'll be nominated for an Oscar? I mean, I hope so. Kessler's first review is Jennifer Lopez is Oscar worthy. It was hard. I just had a very low self-esteem. I had to really figure out who I was and believe in that and not believe anything else. We are on the edge of being able to get this on the field. I can't do it if you guys keep just pressing us. I'm trying to give you something with substance. Not just us out there shaking our fucking asses. I want something real. The unmistakable voice, I think it's fair to say, of Jennifer Lopez, J-Lo. Now, this is a documentary that's been on Netflix a couple of weeks. I only got around to it this week, called Half Time. And it's Jennifer Lopez. I think it's over a year of her life. Around the time she's getting Golden Globe nominations for Hustlers, which she is brilliant in, and also preparing for the halftime show at the Super Bowl, which she would co-headline with Shakira. And in a way, it's a deep dive into her life, her past, and also what she's going through as she prepares for this halftime show at the Super Bowl. I quite like this, I have to say. I knew, you know, only tangentially stuff about Jennifer Lopez, a couple of her songs. I knew she'd been tabloid father and Ben Affleck and all that stuff. Who you heard in there? But she comes across as a pretty warm presence. Now, you know, I guess some of her problems might not seem huge, like, you know, 
disappointed about not being nominated for an Oscar. But, you know, we, we, we all live our own lives. And But it was very interesting, her roots. Uh, her parents were from Puerto Rico. She grew up in the Bronx. Musicals as a child mattered a huge amount to her. And I had forgotten, you know, how horribly at times she was treated at the height of her fame in the early noughties. And you heard there a clip, someone asking her about her backside. And, you know, she was forthright enough even back then to say are you seriously asking me this she has had a torrid time of it with the press and the halftime show is very interesting how that was all handled because she's quite annoyed and rightly so that they shared it with Shakira it was almost like the organizers were saying you know if it's going to be a Latino person, it's going to have to be a co-headliner and I, I thought she made some good points about that and the actual halftime show itself, is very interesting because she has kids coming up from the stage in cages, which was a pointed reference to Mexican children on the border around the time of Trump. And she says she's not political, but she gets quite political in it. She comes across very nice, I have to say. Uh, a lot of times she's not wearing makeup and she's quite down at heel. And, you know, is, is, should she be complimented for that? I think maybe she should, that, you know, she has a team of people who follow her around and there are times in this when she appears quite vulnerable. Uh, so I liked it. I liked it. It's not going to change your life, as I always say. Someone said to me, that's your way of kind of winking, saying it's not that good. But but that's not what I'm saying. It just means it's not the greatest musical documentary I've ever seen. But it's pretty decent, I have to say. Uh, an entertaining watch. And it's not that long. I think it's an hour and 50 minutes. So that's halftime J-Lo uh, on Netflix, currently streaming. Worth a watch. Worth a watch, I have to say. Let me know if you might have watched it. John underscore Fardy is my Twitter handle. Or you can email me, screentime at newstalk.com. Now, Kyle Richards is the only one of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills who has been in all 12 seasons of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. If you have watched that show and people adore that show, I got more kudos and more delight from my colleagues about having Kyle Richards on the show than I have for anyone I've had over the last three or four years from Benedict Cumberbatch to Ricky Gervais to Amy Adams. People in work in News Talk were incredibly enthusiastic about Kyle Richards. Now in its 12th season, it streams on Hey You, uh, which is and it's available on the same day as it is in the US. Now, if you love, which a lot of people do, The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, you need no explanation whatsoever. If you've never seen it, there's not much I can tell you other than it's a group of rich mostly rich. Uh, some of them have had some problems financially, but at the time of viewing, most of them are very rich. And they're women who socialize together and occasionally argue together. Uh, there are a lot of arguments. There's a lot of fighting. People love this show. It's, you know, some people would say it's, you know, trashy TV. I think a lot of the people who enjoy it would say that and enjoy it wholeheartedly. Now, Kyle Richards, as I say, has been in it from day one. She is a very interesting woman. She was a tr child actress. She was in Little House in the Prairie. She was in the, in the first Halloween movie. She's in the last Halloween movie. She continues to act. She's a businesswoman. She's produced TV shows. She has four children. And I got to talk to her about The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and a bit more besides. And I should say, we did this interview over Zoom and she was looking at some of the photos on my wall. Y you'll understand when you hear this. You've lasted 12 seasons, which... There's a lot of blood on the floor in this show. It's like The Sopranos. People get murdered for want of a better phrase. Not literally, exactly. but figuratively. Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that you're an actress by birth, you know, and your acting career started when you were just a child? Has that helped 
you stay the course. No, <laughs> I know. I don't think it's that. The only the only way I think that um, that does help me is that I'm comfortable in front of a camera. Yeah, and can be myself. So I mean, in, in that aspect, maybe. But no, you know, it's just been, um, you know, knowing that uh, I, I have to just be true to myself and um, be genuine, and you know, be willing to put myself out there, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and mm-hmm. just accept that, you know, we're all flawed and it's, that's okay. And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. You know, there's incredible tension at times. And I was watching an episode last night of the present season and Sutton and Crystal's stuff that's going on with them in season 12 is it's hard to watch at times. It's so like, Oh God, how's this going to go? The tension of the show to like, it's one thing to feel tense watching it, but to be tense when you're actually involved in it is, are there some days you get off the set and you go, that was a lot. (laughs) I need a break from this. Um, yes. It's funny when you said the set, because it makes, but no, I know. I know. No, but when the camera stopped rolling, I should say. Uh, yes, when the cameras go down, I mean, it, it, I, I'm having one of those days now, to be honest. It's just <laughs> some days it's just too much. And it's like, you know, it's very stressful and I feel anxious. And then I think, how have I lasted 12 years? Why am I still here? <laughs> so, yes, it, it's a struggle sometimes, no doubt. Yeah. And are you currently being filmed for the show as we speak? I mean, is this because I know you're in the UK today. Are, are uh, cameras no, following in, you around? I'm in the UK just to, you know, do PR for okay. AU and the show and to let people know they can, you know, watch it. Binge the show on AU. And so um, that's why I'm here to talk about the show. And, you know, that's part of it. <laughs> okay. No, I just thought maybe I could make a cameo or something. But listen, oh, let's, yeah, let's, here, let's, I'll, 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 you know, we do film some stuff on our iPhones and send it to production. <laughs> Well, I, I appreciate the offer. Uh, your impressions are fantastic when you do the other cast members. I know you've been doing them less and less. Uh, do you get a lot of heat from the other guys for that stuff? No, they love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the when we were in Provence and I started making fun of the girls, I always imitate people, my friends, and it's just something that we, we laugh and, you know, I do. Um, but I was also imitating the crew too, which mm, okay. of course didn't make it to the air. I was imitating the camera guy and the sound guy, one of the producers, and I we were all just cracking up laughing. So I don't know. Yeah. I like to entertain myself. I like to laugh. Yes, indeed you do. <laughs> Tell me this, uh, Kyle Richards. It's an Irish name, Richards. And I saw you tweet once or twice before about Irish things, particularly our equality campaign in 2015. There was talk of the show coming to Ireland at some stage. Uh, is is that likely to happen? And where would you like to go? You know, so I I I am uh, pretty much 100% Irish. Uh, 100%. Okay. Well, when I did one uh, 23 meets, that I was 100% Irish, and then the other one said I was like a smidge. Um, Welsh, but um, yes. Well, you, do, you don't I, want the Welsh bit. No, <laughs> the Welsh bits. So I'm like, gosh, you know, I, here I am, 100% Irish. I knew my mom was 100% Irish. So, um, but I thought my dad was a mix. I don't know. Now, you know, they're both past. So I'm not, okay. but now I know. I know what I, so that I'm Irish. So I would love to come there. It's on my bucket list. I would love to film there. Um, I was looking at the little, places that it said where, you know, I, uh, my roots originated from, I can't even remember some of the names, but um, I definitely am planning on making a trip there. Okay. Is there anyone Irish you'd like to meet? 
what I like to eat. I don't know. What are the famous Irish? I, I know that there's the actors that I love that I <laughs> can't think right now off the top of my head. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it in in post-production. Uh, <laughs> and was there was there talk of anywhere in particular you might go in Ireland or is that still still up in the air if you did come? That's probably not to say. We talked about going years ago and then something happened where, I don't know, that the trip got changed, which happens sometimes, you know, logistics mm. didn't work out. So I don't know where we'd go. Where do you think we should go? Well, as a Dubliner, uh, I think Dublin is a great place. Of course, the west of Ireland is beautiful as well, a place called Galway. So uh, it's all beautiful. It's I want to see the castles. I want. I yes. like greenery. So that's, you know, I love all of that. We have a lot of castles and we have a lot of greenery. So you should definitely come. I'm on my way. <laughs> Brilliant. Just, just back to the show briefly. You know, I'm sure a lot of people say this to you, but the reunions at the end where everyone sits down and goes through everything. I, I was talking about the Sopranos and Blood on the Floor, but they're, they're great TV. Uh, they must, again, they must be tough to film at times when you're seeing the reaction over all the episodes of the season. I, I just, that's my least favorite day. And when we get the email saying this is the date for the reunion, my heart kind of just like drops. And then I start thinking about all the things and it's, I, there's absolutely nothing fun about that day. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Nobody, not one person wants to be there. <laughs> Which <laughs> you show up. Nobody. <laughs> yeah. Tell me this, you started acting very young and yet you've continued to do that because you're back in, in Halloween now uh, and you're going to be in the final one that's coming out later this year. Is it important for you to keep a kind of foot in that pool that you still, you still like to act from time to time? Well, I'm, I'm really grateful that since, you know, when I first started the show, it's, it's very consuming and it's a, a year round job yeah. uh, just doing the housewives, but now I'm able to find a little balance. And, um, you know, I was shooting Halloween while I was shooting the housewives and I was literally flying back and forth. The last two mm -hmm. Halloween movies I did, um, which the next one comes out October 14th, but, um, I also did a holiday movie this year called the housewives of the North pole. So I've been able to balance doing both now, which I really love, and also producing um, television, which I'm working on a new project. So it's been great that I, that I'm as Portia's gotten older and my kids are getting older, and Sophia just graduated college, that I can do more things because I'm I'm someone who does well with a lot of stuff going on. Well, I was just going to say I have three children and you know, it can be hard to keep above water. You have four and yet you do all these things and make TV shows and run businesses and yada, yada, yada. You don't need me to explain your life to you, but <laughs> how do you manage it all? Um, you know, I think it's a, a personality type. Like I said, I do well with a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, what, are they, what is the expression? If you want to get something done, give it to someone who's busy, whatever that yes, is. Yes. I'm really, and I, I like to do things myself. Maybe I have a little bit of control freak in me. You know, but at my house, it's there's a lot. There's kids, all their friends hang out at my house. I have six dogs. I'm, you know, when I'm not filming the housewives, I'm filming a movie. I'm doing my Amazon live, you know, uh, my page. Like I'm just always have stuff going on. And I, I, I like that when I, my kids were younger, I, I wasn't able to do that. I had a lot of mom guilt. Yes. Um, I also think times have changed and I've changed where now I don't have guilt about working. Now I'm happy to have my daughters see me working and doing mm -hmm. all of this. And they're all, you know, you know, the two are business women now, the two oldest. And then I can already see Sophia and Portia also wanting to be business women. And um, so now I'm happy that I can be a good role model to my daughters. 
Two quick things. Little House on the Prairie. Uh, I remember watching that as a kid and you were pretty much a kid. What was it like to be in a massive TV show when you were that little? Oh, my God. I was I started that show when I was five years old. I know. Yeah. So I didn't know that it was a massive hit. But it's funny because we did we only had a few stations back in those days. I sound like I'm 150 years old. But we literally had like seven stations. It was like, you know, there wasn't that many channels on, on television. So, you know, you went anywhere, everyone knew who you were. Yeah. But um you don't I don't know. I was because I didn't know the difference. I started when I was so little, I didn't really even think about it, just like I don't think about it now. Yeah. Finally, and you can tell me to move on or whatever, but I mentioned you you tweeted yes when our equality campaign got a a yes vote. We adore America in Ireland and there's a very close relationship and we love your movies and your TV shows. Yet a lot of us are looking at the States at the moment going, it's it's very strange what's going on in America. Do do you, I know it's a massive question, but are, are you worried? Are you concerned about all that's happening in your beloved country at the moment? I am extremely worried. Um, I, I honestly, it's it's getting to the point where it's hard for me to pick up my phone because when I'm seeing these headlines, you know, um, the shootings just happened over 4th of July, um, you know, just going backwards with, you know, equality like we were talking about and um, and the Roe versus Wade, all of this stuff. I just have, I have so much anxiety about what's happening in the world. It feels like once the pandemic started, Things just kind of went downhill. I don't like to be a Debbie Downer. I, I like to be a very positive person, but it's really, really uh, hard times right now. You know, yeah. worst I've ever seen in in my life. And to think that I'm raising my four daughters during these times, it, it pains me. It really does. Like sometimes I think I just I have to put my phone down. I can't. I, I I really can't take it. And like you asked me earlier, you know, is it ever too much? You know. I'm having one of those days that between the show and what I'm seeing in the news, it just, it feels like too much. So I'm, I'm grateful to be in a beautiful place like London. And I have all my, my four daughters here, my husband here with me. So thank goodness. But some days it's just a lot. It's, it's very, um, you know, it's sad to think about what's happening in our country. Well, listen, let's end on a happy note. My wife and her sister-in-law were like giggling school children when I told them that I was going to be interviewed. If you didn't mind, is there any way you could just quickly say hello to? Who am I saying hello to? Emer and Patrina. Emer and Patrina? Yeah. Could you just say hello to Emer and Patrina? Hello, it would make Emer their Petrina. day. Hello, I thought they were going to come in the door. No, I'm afraid not. I'm going to play them this. I can't believe you didn't invite them. How could you do this? I'm sorry. Don't make me feel bad. This is meant to be a nice gesture. I mean, they could have been. There's plenty of room back there. <laughs> You're right. Katrina. Yes. The picture in the back is crooked. Could you fix it? <laughs> no, I should have thought about that. Actually, one of them's on the wall there. So. I see we have balloons up for you as well. I see this. I see the party. Someone had a birthday. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Listen, it was lovely to meet you and uh, continued success. And thanks a lot for talking to me. Thank you so much. Nice talking to you. Cheers. Take care. That is Kyle Richards there talking to me about the photographs on my wall and balloons we I forgot to take down for a kid's birthday a few days before that. And giving a shout out to my wife and her sister. What a lovely lady Kyle Richards was. And you can watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills on Hey You, the streaming service Hey You, which I know a lot of you do. And as I mentioned before, it seems most people in news talk watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. As I say, it's streaming now on Hey You, the same day as it streams in the US. Up next, Mark Ryle on the week's new releases. 
Now you're welcome back to Screen Time News Talks TV and Movie Show. We turn now to the week's new releases in the cinema. The big new release of the week is Thor, Love and Thunder. More of that in a second. There's also an intriguing movie called Brian and Charles. And then a new kids movie on Netflix called The Sea Beast. However, the big new release of the week, Thor, Love and Thunder, our resident critic Mark Ryle wasn't able to make it for very apparent reasons, if you understand why someone might not go to a cinema. Mark. You were sick last week. How are you now? I'm drifting into the arena of the unwell. Yes, indeed you are. So Sorry. it's fair to say you contacted the dreaded virus, right? Yeah, I apologize to anyone who's tuning in expecting Tor, but uh, yeah, beyond my yeah. control and apologies. Yeah. Exactly. And he's thinking of everyone by not attending the cinema. Not to worry, so you didn't make it to tour. That, that's fine. I just want to be honest with people. You did see two other movies, which I saw as well uh, yep. over the last week or two. Now, the first one is Brian and Charles, which mm-hmm. is a very unusual movie. Tell people what this is about. It's a it's a comedy, I guess. It's kind of dark and sad as well. But over to you. Convinced. Yeah. Oh, I can't imagine Thor being better than Brian and Charles. I, I absolutely <laughs> loved this movie um it was it's uh, it began life as a short back in 2017 and it's written by david earl and chris hayward uh, who also played the two title characters david earl's brian he's this uh, lonely eccentric living on his own on a, a this rubbish filled farm in rural wales and following a period of uh, depression he decides to start inventing things and all of his inventions are are both pointless and useless like uh, an egg belt which is a belt for carrying eggs or a toilet plunger with a water bottle attached to it um, but then he he builds a robot from a washing machine called Charles Petrescu and the robot comes to life and then as far as I'm concerned, so does the movie. Yeah. Now, just a couple of things. Brian is playing uh, almost the same character that he plays in Ricky Gervais's Afterlife, as far as David, I could David tell. Earl. Yeah. Sorry, is, the character yeah. Brian. It's the yeah. same character from Afterlife. Is it the same character? I don't know if it is. I well, think he's. I think he plays similar characters in a lot of okay. Ricky Gervais's stuff. I don't well, know. For, if for, exactly. for people who don't know, in Afterlife, he plays this, you know, a, a kind of sad, lonely guy uh, with big, thick glasses and a strange haircut, and he's quite a loner and, you know, an eccentric. Let's say it's a very similar character. Yeah, well, he was in he was in extras as well, and I think that character was very similar. So yeah, I think perhaps true. maybe it's, variation on a theme. Maybe he's just got a he's just got a type. Yeah, yeah, and um, he's, he he's li- yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, no, he's also living uh, in this Welsh countryside where there's some nasty people living up the road from him as well. Becomes <laughs> important later on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, like I'll start with the first fifteen minutes of this isn't great. Um, it's done in this uh, handheld mockumentary style that, for me, it's been done to death. Mm. Um, and there really is there's no good reason for it apart from letting David Earl kind of look down the camera and wink when you know the jokes as they've been written don't land. But 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 then Charles shows up and as far as I'm concerned, all is forgiven. I think this is like a, it's like a live action Wallace and Gromit mixed with Pinocchio. And I think it's incredibly sweet and it's got a a lot of heart and it's sometimes it's quite moving, but I think first and foremost, it's just brilliantly funny. And 
I absolutely adored the character of Charles Petrescu. I think it's one of the most inspired comedic creations I've seen in a long time. And it's got legs. I mean, literally, it's got legs. <laughs> and a tummy for a washing machine. <laughs> a tummy for a washing machine. I think he's like, it's like a cross between a curious child and an affectionate and excitable dog. Um, you know, wanting to sit in the front seat and asking questions like, how big is outside? I think, um, I think, I don't know, if you're a parent, I think, you might <laughs> you might see uh, a lot that you recognize in this. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. You know, I, I mentioned yeah. before, AK, Giles and Dumphy, we do talk during the week. And before I'd watched it, you had said to me it was hilarious. So yeah. I was really excited about this. And I didn't find it that hilarious. Now, I, I liked it. And I thought it was very unusual. And this idea of this loner who builds a robot, it's, you know, it's an affecting story. And it's quite sad at times because Brian is, is quite a lonely, tragic character in some ways. But I, I, I didn't find it that funny. And I found it, mm. the sadness of it, I found tough at times. I, I thought the idea of this man befriending this quirky robot, affecting, absolutely affecting. But I just didn't laugh the way I thought I was going to laugh. It's like you, you over-egged it for me. Now, that's not a problem because we often laugh at the same things, you know. But uh, I, I didn't laugh at the same extent you did. That is disappointing. I think, I well, humor is subjective. And there's no guarantee that I would I, what I find funny that you're going to find funny. Um, I just thought it was I I laughed all the way through this. Um, okay, and it's it it's it's almost structured like a kids' movie. It's a, it's almost like ET or something like that, and it follows the the same kind of structure. And essentially, it's a fairy tale. Mm. Now, I think it's a, a I'd give you it's a really really weird fairy tale. Yeah, but there's nothing really that would stop you bringing a, a, a kid to see this i mean they might ha hate you for it um, <laughs> but there's nothing it's not violent and as far as i no. can recall there's no salty language yeah but uh, just going back to the humor i think it's the 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 juxtaposition of the mundane and the ridiculous that makes it so funny for me uh i, I think it's a, an awful lot like do you remember in the first wallace and gromit short the grand day out there was this mm. robot cooker on wheels that lived on the moon and he was obsessed with skiing um, now that's a ridiculous idea, and I think Brian and Charles is cut from the same cloth because Charles sees this holiday program on TV and he becomes obsessed with the idea of visiting Hawaii, and he starts wearing hula skirts around the farm. Yeah. And I think it, it's just so so ridiculous that you have to laugh. Yeah, and but you see, I so it was it was surreal at times the way this robot. It's just bizarre. The washing it's machine certainly an acquired taste. Yeah, no, and I, I got that. It was surreal, but it wasn't. Surreal is surreal, but it, it it just didn't make me laugh. You know what yeah. I mean? I it's just, like, it, how how many how many surrealists <laughs> does it take to change a light bulb? Fish, it's like it's not that funny. It's clever, you know. Yeah, I know. And like, going back to you know humor again, I, but I just really enjoyed that. At no point is any attempt made to make Charles the robot appear as anything other than a bloke with one arm sticking out of a cardboard box. Yeah. And uh, that's part of the charm. And like, for me, the other part of the charm is, is the voice. He's mm. got this, it's been, it, the dialogue has been fed through some sort of text to speech software. So first of all, there's this slight delay between thought and speech where that makes even things even more awkward and funny. But the, 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 the voice is very mannered and it's got this weird in intonation, which makes, for me, it makes everything that comes out of his mouth just really, really funny. I think yeah. you put all of that together and it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's border on genius. I think this could go, th I, as I said, I think this is a character that has legs.
Mm, interesting. Well, look, I agree with you that, like, I thought, well, I'm not sure if you've said this, but David Earl and Chris Haywood are great as, as the two leads, as, as Brian and Charles. And I certainly thought it was very unique. And as I say, you know, pleasantly quirky. You know, I just didn't find it as funny as you clearly did. So what would you say stars wise for Brian and Charles? I'm going to give this four and a half. It's one of the, wow. the best best movies I've seen all year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to give it three because I, I enjoyed it. I was curious about it, but but I was, you oversold it to me. Now, it's not your yeah. fault, listeners, or it's not your fault. And listeners, I'd love you to go and see it and see what you thought. So that is four and a half, the highest score Mark has given in a long time from Brian and Charles, and I'm giving it three. Let's take a clip of the aforementioned Brian and Charles. Would you like me to give you a name? Huh? Tony? Oh, he didn't like Tony. Tony the robot? Huh? Clive? No. Huh? Charles? 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 <laughs> Charles, you like Charles? Charles Petrescu. You want that name, do you? Charles Petrescu. All right, then. I am Charles Petrescu. Hello, Brian. Hello, Charles. It's lovely to meet you. Wow. I am your friend. I'm your friend, too. Brian and Charles there. Now, uh, something very different is a, a new children's movie on Netflix, which lands this Friday. And I should say Brian and Charles is also available in cinemas this Friday, the 8th of July. But on Netflix from the 8th of July is a children's movie set at sea, all about a monster. And it's called, uh, appropriately enough, Sea Beast. Uh, Mark, what did you make of Sea Beast? Um, it's it's good. I, I think it's a shame that um, Netflix's recent recently cut uh their their animation wing and, and because they, they needed to save some money because i think it's it's the, it, this one it's it's an it's an above average animated movie but it's also i think it's as good as most of the general non-animated movies that gets released on netflix um it's uh it's a ripping yarn and it takes place in this world of here be monsters nautical maps where the seas are populated with these massive godzilla type man-eating beasts and then you have monster hunters like carl urban's jacob who sail the high seeds trying to kill them and then um, a small girl called Maisie stows away on board his ship and as he's about to hunt down a one of these beasts called the red bluster but then things don't go according to plan and she causes him to question his vocation Yes, and Jared Harris uh, is one of the, the the voices in it who, who particularly stood out for me as kind of a battle worn but keen to Salty kill a monster. Sea dog. Yeah, I I, th- I thought he was great in it. Uh, so so you thought it's as good as n- normal Netflix movies. So sometimes you don't think a huge amount about them. So did you like this all in all? Um, I. I did. I mean, it's uh, there's obviously a good dose of Moby Dick there, yeah. and also a bit of King Kong, I suppose. But yes. I think in terms of look and feel, and in terms of animation style, if it has a precursor, I think it ha- it's most obviously uh, How to Train Your Dragon and those movies. Yeah. 
Um, it, it, it's a really sumptuous looking movie. Yes. And I think the limits of what can be achieved with animation are they're really confined only by the imagination of the director. And, and mm. the director here, Chris Williams, he doesn't allow himself to be hindered by his imagination. He also, uh, incidentally, he's ex-Disney. He, he directed and he co-wrote Moana and mm. I think Big Hero 6 as well. Okay. So there is pedigree there. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, it's, it's a gorgeous looking movie. Some of the action uh, sequences are, are great. Water is notoriously difficult and expensive to get right in animation. And there's an awful lot of water in, in the Sea Beast. Um, it's a, it's a good looking animated movie. Yeah, it's it's as you say, sumptuous is a good way of putting it. I, I I think it's quite charming. I also like there's a they have the king and queen in it who are sending people off to chase these monsters, and I thought they were very well done and kind of the, you know, one upmanship to the monarchy. I or the two fingered salute to the monarchy. I found quite pleasing in it. You know, I think the king was Jim Carter from Downton Abbey. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. Promotion. Yeah. So uh, I really enjoyed it. I have to say, I watched it with the kids and they all enjoyed it. Although my daughter was a bit scared by the monster. So she left. But the really? boy, yeah. But, uh, you know, that's, you know, we frightened her along the years, clearly, you know. But uh, I think it's always best to watch a kid's movie with kids. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, no, we, we all enjoyed it. So uh, I'm going to go first. I'm going to give this three and a half, not far from four, but three and a half because I, I really enjoyed it as a swashbuckling, really good, sumptuous looking animation movie. What would you say stars wise for the sea beast um i'm going to give it a three um because i think the like apart from jared harris he, he does his very best our laddie yeah <laughs> but i think um the little girl and it, particularly carl urban i think they're they're underwhelming and there's a there's a bit of a lack of energy going on with the, the voice acting um and also curiously you mentioned the the actual beasts themselves i think that there's a I think they look like some of them look like they've been taken out of the oven before the character design was finished. There's a sort of a there's an unfinished look to them. I don't know. Anyway, okay. uh, I'm going to give it a three. Sorry for okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's them. okay. I like this the big yellow eyes on one of the sea monsters though. Yeah, I, yeah, I know, I know. I mean, it's 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 good enough. I just think that it, it's missing that extra level of um, I don't know design. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's certainly not up or or, or one no, of those great. No, things, it's not. But, it, but it, it, but it's well worth it's a watch. So good enough. yeah, if you were looking for something with the kids this weekend to watch of a Saturday evening, and you are a Netflix subscriber, I think you could do a lot worse than the Sea Beast, which Mark has given three. I've given three and a half to Mark. Your five stars every week, though. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time News Talks TV and Movie Show. It's that stage in the show where we talk to someone well-known about their favourite movies. I'm delighted now to be joined by one of Ireland's best-known comedians, Kevin McAleer. His famous deadpan delivery brought him to prominence on shows like Nighthawks and, of course, The Late Late Show. Lately, in a sense, he's been rediscovered due to his role in Derry Girls playing the mind-bendingly boring Uncle Colm. He'll be back on stage for the Paddy Power Comedy Festival, which runs from July 1st to July 24th in the Ivy Garden and it's nice to see that back again and I'm delighted to say he joins me now to talk about his favourite movie Kevin, how are you? Uh, well, how's yourself John? Not too bad at all I was going to say to you when I got an email yesterday what your favourite movie was that makes a certain amount of sense but that might be insulting but <laughs> it's never been chosen before so would you tell our listeners what your favourite film is and why? Uh, my favourite film is Eraserhead uh, directed by David Lynch and uh, it's a very, very surreal, dreamy kind of a film. And uh, 
But I remember uh, reading, you know, around it. I didn't know who David Lynch was when I saw it. This would have been probably late seventies in a in a cinema in London. You know, more arty arty cinemas. I suppose it wasn't exactly a blockbuster. So then, uh, you know, I had to check him out, and uh, you know, he's obviously a very surreal guy himself, and he. Quoted um, Gogol as one of his influences, uh, Nikolai Gogol, and I, I, a fan of him as well. You know, like he's a very surreal, very funny writer. So that's Diary of a Madman, guys. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I just, what one of the influences on my own uh, uh, comedy um, output. So it it made a bit of sense. Then, um, yeah. as you say, it's hard to talk about sense and the razor head in the same <laughs> sentence. But uh, well, just to give people yeah. a small flavour. Now, I haven't seen that in I don't know. I think I saw it in college. But it's this very dark movie where this kind of lonely guy ends up. He's living in an apartment, and they he has this kind of mutant baby with this other woman. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's black and white, and it, it's a film he made uh, in in. Um, Film, you know, he was in film college or film mm-hmm. academy, or whatever you call it. Uh, but it uh, turned into a much bigger project, and it took him years to finish it. And it's, yeah, it's quite. People will call it nightmarish. I would call it dreamy because I just liked it so much. I also find it very funny, and that's obviously very dark humor in it. But yeah, um, yeah so he's he's kind of like uh, the, the first ten minutes was almost like he's. Uh, it's a very kind of like. Um, apocalyptic landscape sort of an industrial broken down world where it looks like he might be the last person left alive and it's a very very uh, you know gloomy um, soundtrack as well yeah and um, you know there's there's more conventional <laughs> kind of drama in it but the characters behave very very strangely and the dialogue is very very strangely timed with a lot of pauses in it which um, suits me down to the ground as well well you're known for um, your pauses so yeah 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 there's, <laughs> there's, there's this fantastic pauses in a razor head some of my favourite pauses <laughs> as pauses go you'd have to stop for these uh, and tell me this I mentioned the mutant baby that's that's my memory of it it's kind of grotesque and the relationship mm. with it but I presume you, you found that intriguing as well I did, even though at the time uh, I hadn't had any children myself at that point, you know, so... Uh, you didn't know what uh, mutants awaited you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what a child looked like <laughs> until until I saw a razor head. Uh, but, uh, so I wasn't relating to the, you know, there's, there's, there's scenes you know, that, that uh, anybody who's had, had a child would relate to about yeah. the thing of being kept awake in the night and... Yeah. And and feeling so frustrated that you want to get up and go home. I remember yeah. I used to I used to go on go on the night bus in London. I used to take the night bus down to Trafalgar Square because I couldn't get up and go home because I was at home already. But yeah, so the girlfriend leaves him in the middle of the night and and goes home to her parents and leaves him leaves the baby in in the capable hands of him. <laughs> so it's. Uh, it could be disturbing, but it's mm. so well made. You know, yeah. people talk about Beckett being depressing. I would never be depressed by Beckett because it's just a, a work of, of pure creative genius. You know, yeah. same with the Razorhead. I could never, um, yeah, I don't find it disturbing. I just find it uh, inspiring.
Ireland really yeah. and, and fascinating. Yeah, well, rightly so. Well, look, the point of this slot is to give people a flavour of the movie and, you know, encourage them to maybe go and watch it. So you've certainly done that. Listen, c- can I ask you, I want to talk to you about being back on stage in a second, but I just want to briefly talk to you about your role in Derry Girls. And I said it, it's kind of, you've been rediscovered. Now, I don't know, does that do you a disservice or whatever, but have you felt a new flush of fame because of your role in Dairy Girls? Do you find more people are checking you out on YouTube? Are the gigs busier? What gigs have you've had oh, very since much, lockdown? Yeah, oh, very much so. You know, like I was uh, sort of uh, t- taken along with my own live stuff um, as I've always done, you know, for the last um, 30 years yeah. or so and making making a, a reasonable living out of it. But Dairy Girls certainly gave it a, a, a real a real kick you know the the audience numbers have uh, have really shot up again and you know I'm, um you know tickets uh, I haven't I haven't sold tickets this fast since 1993 you know <laughs> when I was in the okay <laughs> in the in the real uh, you know flush of the, of the nighthawks phenomenon yeah. you know so it's really it's a really nice uh really nice to get that and it coincides with me just just rediscovering my spark for being back on stage again after lockdown because during lockdown I I, uh, really did lose the the spark Uh, I can imagine there wasn't any spark (laughs) (laughs) the theatres were completely dark anyway it was the dark ages Uh, but after things eased, the spark just came back out of the blue one day and I was just delighted. And it's stronger than ever now. So the excitement of being back on stage, you know, uh, it's just uh, magnified by the excitement of uh, all these people buying tickets too. So it's a really nice um, uh, coincidence, is there? And, you know, just as a comedian, you know, I guess it's like a, a you know, a builder who loses his hammer or whatever it must be bizarre when the thing that you do is it's not just that it hits hard times but it's it's closed in effect for for two years now i know it ebbed and flowed with openings and all that but i can imagine you know you say you lost your spark i'm sure you weren't alone in terms of your comedian brethren Uh, not at all and um i felt you know very sorry for uh, younger comedians who were just uh, hitting their stride, yeah. you know. I mean, I, I've I, I've hit, hit my stride before, <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice to get it back again. But yeah. I, I, I didn't, you know. Uh, I, I felt for people who were just getting to that. I remember the first flush of excitement when when uh, say Nighthawks took off, yeah. when when uh, when all that happened, you know. And it was just so, so exciting. And, you know, I, I did feel for the younger generation who, who uh, had that just really, just really interrupted. And yeah. um, it's nice to, nice to get back there again. Absolutely. And tell me this, I mentioned you're playing at the Paddy Power Comedy Festival, which runs from July 21st to 24th in the Ivy Gardens, the first time in three years, if I'm not mistaken, live comedy. In terms of what you do now, does the... Because I I know your act from a while ago. I haven't seen you live in a long time. But do you like? Do you discuss what's been going on with you? Or you don't have to give spoilers or anything. But does Dairy Girls get a mention? Your new flush of fame. Does that come up, or are you more in character than that? I I, I do mention Dairy Girls in passing, but uh, I I don't. Uh... You know, I don't do much. Well, it's it's Lisa McGee's material for a yeah. start. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I could uh, like it's it's just 
there are so many gems in, in that script, yeah. you know, but unfortunately they're not mine. So yeah, okay. I, I couldn't start trotting out Lisa McGee's <laughs> greatest, greatest hits, you know. Yeah. Um, no, that's fair but, enough. Uh, you were never a comedian to steal anyway, so uh, why, why, why start now? And uh, obviously, like that persona is, uh, re- you know, closely related to my, my old Nighthawks one, mm-hmm. you know, but but um, he, he's, you know, he's, He's 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 been retired now for a long time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I do I do mention it in passing, you know, I get some smart remarks about uh, uh, dairy, but but really in passing, you know. Yeah. But um, you know, you you couldn't listen to to that uh, character for too <laughs> for no. too long anyway. No, no. Even even if it is funny, you know. So it's mostly myself and. Um, uh, what I'm doing these days is it's kind of like a mixture of old and new, you know, I'm throwing mm-hmm. in some of the greatest hits and, <laughs> and uh, mixing it in with uh, newer stuff, you know. So does um, that mean that the one about the TV, let's turn it on, does that make an appearance or? No, that's no. that's uh, that's too old. Okay, sorry, sorry. That might <laughs> even, be me. <laughs> that's too old even for me. <laughs> Fair enough. And tell me this, finally, you know, I I didn't even want to ask you about Nighthawks because you probably never do an interview where it doesn't come up. But just yesterday when I was re-watching some of your stuff, I mean, you know, that's the early to mid 90s. You know, had it not been for Nighthawks, you would have been working the circuit like other comedians. Like it must have been a huge boost for you at the time. And I can sense from what you're saying, you talk about the first full success. Like you've no problem with that now. You, you seem, I, I assume you're delighted that that's the way it all happened. <clears throat> oh, completely. Yeah. Mm. Because, uh, uh, yeah, I, I was really, um, you know, at quite an early stage of, of, of the, the live career when, yeah. um, you know, I was approached by Nighthawks. It was actually Anne Enright, who was the producer at the time. Who, the novelist Anne Enright. He went, he went on to do amazing things yeah. and still doing amazing things as a, as a writer. Yeah, she was a, she was a producer of Nighthawks and she, she, uh, she had seen me live somewhere in Dublin and asked me would I be interested in coming up with something for her. And I was very interested. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's, and, and, uh, yeah, that just exploded um, uh, on on the public consciousness, yes. and in a way that I couldn't have anticipated. And it was just fantastic, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, and I didn't really expect that or even know about it because by then I had moved to London, you know. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't even seeing Nighthawks, but it filtered through very quickly that um, it had made a splash and filtered through even quicker when I. Did a few gigs and uh, they were uh, sold out yeah. um, very, very quickly. So, yeah. yeah, that was heady times. Indeed, indeed. Well, look, I, it was lovely to talk to you today. His favourite movie is A Razorhead. You can see him at the Paddy Power Comedy Festival for his second flush of success, which he seems to be enjoying immensely. Kevin McAleer, lovely to talk to you. You too, John. The, the girls have heard this before, but... Fourteen years ago, I had an operation on my arm here. Doctors said I wouldn't be able to use it. What the hell do they know, I said. And and I rubbed it for a half hour every day. And then I got so I I could move it a little. And and I I got so I could turn a faucet. And and pretty soon I had my arm back again. Now I can't feel a damn thing in it. All numb. 
I, I'm, I'm afraid to cut it, you know? Mary usually does the carving, but maybe tonight you'll do it, Henry. All right with you? Of course. I'd be happy to. A very strange dinner scene there from the very strange, surreal, but beguiling Eraserhead as chosen by Kevin McAleer as his favourite movie. And as I said, Kevin McAleer can be seen at the Paddy of Power Comedy Festival from the 21st to the 24th of July. That's it for this week. My thanks to Anne-Marie Kane, who helped out on the show this week, as she does every week. I'll just remind you, if you want to get in touch with me at any stage during the week, feel free to email me, screentime at newstalk.com, or you can tweet me, john underscore Fardy. This show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on Newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm right here on Newstalk. Next week on the show, I'll be talking to Tom Courtney and Sheridan Smith, British acting royalty, about the new version of The Railway Children, which hits cinemas next week. That's all next week. Enjoy the remainder of your weekend. Have a safe week ahead. Take care.